Welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of the Scary Savannah and Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Brett, and with me as always is my lovely wife, Crystal. How have you been, Crystal? I've been great. It's the weekend, so then you know what that means. Well, I think everybody knows at this point what that means for us. <laughs> well, they probably don't. We basically live like an old retired couple. We ride around in a golf cart and we go to bingo every Friday night. I prefer to say that we are living the high life of the extreme gambling circuit at the legions around here for bingo-related gambling activities. So I won $7.25 last night. Yes, and it was funny because we were playing a game they call speedball, which means that every single number on your sheet has to be covered. And when that happens, first person that calls the bingo ends the game, and then everyone else that has that bingo at that point wins as well. It took a little longer than usual, and when she finally called bingo, about 320 other people in a room of 80 called bingo, right? No, there were eight total, so we had to split $58. So That's right. Big money. Yeah, but last week you won. I did. I finally won my uh, prestigious letter X, which is one of the games where you have to fill in just the numbers that make the letter X. And I say, I'm going to win it every week. And I finally actually did. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was $100. So that yeah, was good. That really put that to shame. So that's just building my confidence for our next Vegas trips. What that's doing. In January. In January. So uh, we're going to give you an update on our previous episode. We interviewed Scott Siegel, and as we told you, he works at the Forsyth Park Inn in Savannah. Right, Crystal? Yeah, and he actually had another encounter with the ghost Lottie this week. Yes, he did, and it sounds like something that's getting a little bit more uh, involved. So you want to tell him what uh, he told us? Yeah, he sent us this. He said, I was in the kitchen washing my hands with my back to the door that goes to the courtyard, I heard the door start to open, thinking nothing of it, because sometimes our chef comes in and drops off groceries. So I slightly turned my head to say, hey, Sean. When I got no response, I turned around to see the door opening. Then it stopped. Then it slowly started opening again and stopped. Uh-oh. It sounds like um, she's making her way into his life. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there was it? nobody there with him. So. Nobody there, no children, no nothing. So I'm hoping we'll get more and more updates from him as it goes on and He's also sending us some pictures, so we're going to post them on the page. Yeah, I think that's going to look really, really neat because um, we're trying to update the site regularly with pictures. And speaking of our site, you can find us on the web at www.scarysavannahandbeyond.com or you can go to www.scarysavannah.net. And as we said before, we do have a Patreon page, right? Yes, we have a Patreon page, and you can support us for as little as $3 a month. And it really goes towards helping us because running a podcast is not an inexpensive venture, it turns out. That's true. Yes, especially when you have a crippling addiction to buying new equipment like I do. <laughs> so And bingo. Yeah, and bingo. And Vegas trips. <laughs> but I uh, would like to give a shout out to our Patreon from this week, and that would be Derek Slayton. And Derek Slayton is also a horror novelist, so and he's very prolific as well. Uh, you can find his work on Amazon or various other places. He writes a series called Dead America, and it's the largest zombie series on Kindle with 80 books in the series so far. I'm interested in checking that out. Yeah, it's, it's available in collections, and you can also get it in audiobook format as well. If you'd like to try to help us, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash scary savannah. And that's P A T R E O N dot com, scary savannah. Really helps us out. Speaking of helping us out, please go and rate and review us on iTunes. Five star reviews would be wonderful. It helps push us up and get us to get more listeners, right? Yeah, you didn't mention about the 18 book standalone series. Yeah, and he has an 18 book standalone series set in the Low Country. Which goes right along with what we do. Yeah, so, he said it's mostly Hilton Head and Savannah. Yeah. And it's called Dead America Low Country. Yeah, so check that out for sure. You can also find us on social media if you go to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and look up the username at Scary Savannah. So check that out as well. This week, we're going to be talking about three of Savannah's most haunted restaurants. Yes, we visited all three of these places and... Um, I think my favorite was the Pirate House, so we're going to start with that. 
So a little bit more about the Pirate House building. It is one of the oldest buildings in Georgia, right? Yeah, it's over 250 years old. And it's very impressive to look at. And I can totally see just by the pictures why you would think it could be haunted because it looks like something out of an old Don Knotts movie, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it actually does. I sort of expect to hear an organ playing upstairs, just like the ghost of Mr. Chicken. If you haven't seen that movie, go check it out. It's a classic. I love that movie. Yeah. This building is imposing, but in a inviting way, I think. You you want to go and learn more about it. And one of the first things you're going to see when you get up there is that the shutters on this building are painted a very distinctive shade of blue, right? Yeah, it's referred to as haint blue, and it was thought to keep out spirits. Yes, and they thought back in those days that it would uh, mimic the appearance of the sky and it would trick ghosts into passing through or possibly to mimic the appearance of water, which, of course, as you know, ghosts traditionally cannot cross. (laughs) Makes sense. It does make sense. And another thing it's supposed to ward off is boo hags. Yeah, we're going to talk about boo hags later on. They're really interesting. Yeah, not in this episode, but it's definitely something that's coming up. People would paint their porches, doors, and window frames and shutters back in the day with haint blue. There's probably a lot of haint blue around in the city of Savannah if you keep an eye out for it. Yeah. There's a small building beside the main building, which is where you go in to actually go and get a table. And that is called the Herb House. It dates back to 1754, and I think that that's said to be the oldest building in Georgia. Yeah, in the whole state. That's cool. Another thing you'll see jump out at you when you go to the Pirate House is that the walls are mostly made up of what are called Savannah Gray Bricks, and those have an interesting story unto themselves, don't they? Yeah, they were all constructed by slaves, and you'll find them all over the city. And it's been said that the spirits of the slaves are tied to these bricks, which could account for why the city is so haunted. Um, So when we went there, we decided to go and have dinner at the Pirate House because we're going to go visit all these places and share with you our experiences. And we had reservations at around 8 o'clock, but we showed up a little early and we got seated a little closer to 7. And the restaurant was pretty busy. There's a lot going on, a lot of noise. Yeah, it's usually really busy. So if you want to go, you're definitely going to need a reservation because we saw several people come in and they just didn't have anywhere unless you don't want to go to the bar. Which we typically do on Tabi, <laughs> but not when we're going to go out to a paranormal place. So we got in, we got seated, they took us in and they put us in the corner of a room that was called the captain's room. And looking around at the decor, you can tell that this structure is very old and and very quaint and one thing that i found interesting and i didn't notice it at first but we heard someone come up behind us crystal had her back to the wall in the corner because apparently they put baby in the corner they did and i was facing the wall and we heard someone come up behind us and mention that there was a trap door directly behind where crystal was sitting and that supposedly that trap door leads directly down to the tunnels under the building Right. Yeah, we took some pictures and we'll post them. Um, I'm not sure if it's a trap door, but it's definitely something there. You know. Yeah, it was a door of some description. I don't know if it was an opening, former opening. Yeah, as some sort of opening. But you know, it's interesting to hear that. So we were eating our dinner, and it's a fine dining place. It's probably one of the nicest restaurants in the city, don't you think? Yeah, it was definitely nice, and the food was great. I recommend the seafood platter if you go. Did you order the seafood platter or did I and you just ate it? I just ate your That's plate. That's what I thought. Basically. I, what I had was great too, but the seafood platter was amazing. So go with the seafood platter. Speaking of the trap door Crystal sat in front of, it is interesting to note that there are supposedly tunnels underneath the Pirate House building. And those tunnels led out to the Savannah River, they say. Yeah, they do say that. In its early days, the building which houses the Pirate's House was a gathering place for sailors and other shady characters not that all sailors were but uh you've got that picture painted you know what you're thinking when you think of sailors back then right you're thinking of pirates aren't you yeah they had a raucous reputation raucous (laughs) that's the word of the week (laughs) it was uh sort of looked at as a place that you didn't want to go to because of its sort of sketchy reputation right yeah nice girls wouldn't go there no they wouldn't so many men that walked into the bar looking to get themselves something to drink, got more than what they were expecting or looking for, right? 
Yeah, they would pour you a drink, but they would add a little something extra. They sure would. And these guys would wake up, not on the floor of the bar, as you might expect, at least the way I would have thought it would have happened. <laughs> they woke up on the deck of a ship that was well on its way heading towards China. And they were Shanghai. And they were forced to either work on this ship that they were drugged into working on, or they were tossed in to sleep with the fishes, right? Yeah, so I would have stayed away from the pirate's house if yeah. I were yeah. I so, <laughs> And actually, the term Shanghai, it was called that because a lot of trade happened in China. And the etymology of the word uh, is basically saying that it was crimping and sailor thieves in the 1850s possibly because Shanghai was a common destination of the ships with abducted crews. The term has since expanded to mean kidnapped or induced to do something by means of fraud. Yeah, I think that would qualify. Yeah. Another very interesting thing about the pirate house and Savannah in general is that they had a very famous guest that stayed there. And this place was the inspiration for one of his most famous stories. And who was that author, Crystal? Robert Louis Stevenson. Yes. And what was the name of the book that this inspired? Treasure Island. Exactly. So during the height of action at the Inn and Tavern, Robert Louis Stevenson visited this place, apparently to try to get some inspiration for some of his work. And it did inspire him to write the novel Treasure Island, and it came out in the year 1883. And most of what we know about pirates was gleaned from his fictional work which means that a lot of the things that are in his book were stereotypes we view today that really had nothing whatsoever to do with the actual pirates of history, right? So pirates don't say are. Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Don't be crazy. Pirates but are very popular here on Tybee, so don't ruin it for me. They are. They're extremely We even popular. have something. We even have something called Pirate Fest. Yep, every single year, except for the COVID year, we had Pirate Fest, and it's a three or four day event, right, where everybody dresses up like pirates. Yes, everybody dresses up as a pirate. We have a parade, and they'll set up uh, rides, like carnival rides, and a petting zoo, and everything in the parking lot. It's really neat. Yeah, and they'll have uh, bands out here and things. We saw, who, who did we see? Quiet Riot. Quiet Riot, <laughs> exactly. Um, but this book. The Treasure Island book, it's basically to sum it up, it's about Captain Flint, and he was a ruthless pirate that captained the ship, the Walrus, and uh, he went around the world collecting bounties of riches and treasures. And what he would do was, he'd buried his treasure on a deserted island and then murdered his crew. In true fashion of a pirate, he made a map, and how did he mark a spot on the map? I'm guessing with an X. Of course, it was. I never an read X. the book, but that's my best guess. Oh, you should have read the book. It's I know, a good but book. now you've ruined it for me because you just told me what it's yeah. about. Yeah. Well, I'll continue to ruin it here. Mm -hmm. um, he gave that map to his first mate, Billy Bones. I thought he killed the crew. Well, not all of the crew. Oh, he just saved Bones. Yeah. And eventually, Bones died from a stroke, and the map fell into the possession of the book's narrator, Jim Hawkins. So. We ate our dinner. I ate Crystal's dinner, and uh, we finished that up, and we took a little stroll around the restaurant to see if we could take some pictures and get a better feel for the place, and we happened to find an interesting tunnel. I'm going to play a little sound clip from us that we took as we stood in front of the tunnel, and I'll put a picture on the website. I'll go ahead and play that now. So we're standing in an eerie underground chamber with ancient walls of handmade brick and the mysterious arch tunnel entrance now sealed for safety reasons. It's freaky. Like, they would just drop you off the side. How far would you say that is? About 12 Tw feet, maybe. 12 feet? Yeah. At least. Yeah, at least. Maybe a little more. And then roll you out to the Savannah River? I don't think so. It's quite creepy. We'll post pictures of it on the site, but it is definitely an interesting thing to yeah, see. Yeah, so it definitely looked like a place where bodies would have been dumped down into a tunnel and... People um, at the work there won't even go down there anymore. Like, it's closed off, but it used to be you had to go down there for some reason, and people refuse to go down there. Yeah, and across the room from this drop diagonally are some stairs that lead to the rum cellar of the building. And according to the sign, it would have led to the supposed tunnel that went to the Savannah River, right? Yeah, and the stairs are closed off now, right? 
I I think you can still access them. I don't think it, in general you can access them, but uh, I think I saw cigarette butts down there. So I have a feeling that maybe <laughs> some of the more adventurous employees probably went and uh, you know burned one with a, a ghost or two, if you know what I mean. So we also had a very interesting waiter. We did. And I was curious about finding out for myself from someone who works at the pirate house, what they think about the hauntings. So when we finished our dinner, I asked our server about his personal experience with the supernatural. He said he was too busy to be bothered by the ghosts of the pirate house. I because, thought that was so funny the way he said that. Yeah. He was just like, hey, I don't have time. Yeah, that. because he was too busy serving his guests. Yeah, he'd be like, just walk right through them and get out of my way. And, you know, he's yeah. like not bothered by them. And his reason for not being bothered by the ghosts of the pirate house, he has his own spooks to deal with. Let me play a little clip of what he had to say. But I, uh, I've lived with... Uh, Ghosts since 1997, so oh, yeah, I'm used to having spiritual activity around this. Like, okay, and the one house I had I tore it down and we built it, and the ghost was still there. He wasn't as happy as when we built it <laughs> when we fought when we had the old house because the old house was his house and he was the original owner. Oh, goodness, and we were the second owners, but he was falling down, so we had to tear it down. And he became a very unhappy ghost. And he let you know about it, yeah, he'd do things like slam the piano lid down. Oh throw things off shelves in the basement. Yeah, not cool. Whereas before, he was a very happy ghost. He used to come out of the closet and tell jokes to the kids. And <laughs> I actually, the, I didn't believe in ghosts until one evening. It was kind of a humid night. And we were, it was on Cape Cod, and we were basically sitting there in our underwear. And my daughter was being tickled by the ghost. I couldn't see him, but I could see her reacting. I could feel his presence going around. The oh, yeah? Right, he's behind you. I could feel the cold. Around. Oh, goodness. All right, cool. <laughs> so, and then we moved here to Savannah, and uh house here is haunted as well. She's the original owner with the third owner. It was built in 1903. Oh, 1902, sorry. It's got corrected. The NPC just told me it was 1902. Oh, wow. So she was born on this street in number 347. And she moved around the corner of my house and lived there from 1902 to 1953. She moved out died in 1956 but she obviously came back and she's still it's there. like where she was yeah, in living. And, uh, so We've had her kind of mess around with the TV and some electronics in the house, and I've yeah. heard her whisper to me in my ear, and my wife's seen her wandering around upstairs. And so obviously that doesn't freak you out. No, so. that's why I like here. It's like, yeah, whatever. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is just I'm, a bunch of pirate girls. I'm just, like, I'm just like, I'm going to just walk all the way through you and just get on with what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah, but it's, yeah, people do get a lot of interactions and pictures where they get full images, not those stupid orbs, they actually get real, yeah. real shapes that you can say yeah. that is a, that is a So as you can hear, he has daily experiences living in a haunted house in Savannah, right? Yeah, I find that most people that work downtown, they just take it as part of their daily life and it's not any big deal to them, so... Yeah, they, they've basically what Scott said in our previous episode, you get sort of numb to it, really. Yeah, and it's just an everyday occurrence and you just keep working. Yeah. So speaking of the ghosts of the Haunted Pirate House restaurant in Savannah, uh, we're going to give you a few examples. Now, Captain Flint, now he's a fictional character. Okay. Yeah, this is what I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, he was a fictional <laughs> character, but and they say that his addiction to rum led to his death and that it's possible that he died at the very end that inspired Stevenson to create this character. And it said he died in Savannah from drinking too much of that beloved rum. So the treasure room of the Haunted Pirate House still contains early editions of Treasure Island to this day. And as I said, Flint was a fictional character. But what I'm thinking is maybe even though he was a fictional character, possibly Robert Louis Stevenson based him off of a real person that was there at the time when he was trying to get his inspiration at the Pirate House. That's more likely than the actual fictional Flint dying in Savannah, I think. And something that really makes me think it could be the case is because if there's one thing that pirates are known to do and if there's one thing that people in savannah are known to do it's have a few drinks so i could totally see there being an old pirate and as a matter of fact we actually saw a guy walking down the street when we left the pirate house uh we were standing in front of the building to try to take some pictures and coming from the parking lot just come wandering up a full-blown pirate right yeah, and like I didn't really think anything of it, but then he was just standing there and you were like, is that a real pirate? Is well, <laughs> it sort of freaked me out because I didn't want to make eye contact with him because his face looked like it was sort of burned on the right side. Oh, see, I but didn't I really would, look at his face. I was just assuming it was somebody dressed up for 
Halloween or that it was a costume somebody just wore around the city. Maybe it was a tour guide that was just going to work. Although most tours don't go over to that side of the city. They stay more towards the middle where the other houses are. You don't really see tours. Well, did this typically. ghost have a cell phone? I, that is something did, we tried then. to figure out. <laughs> I did not see this ghost. But when he walked by, I said, howdy, as I do. Did and he ignore you? No, he didn't. He responded, and he responded in a British accent. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, and it, I did not expect that. Then he walked down the sidewalk and stopped in front of a house that's about a house or two down from the power house, and he was standing there. We turned around, I was talking, and I turned back around, and he was just gone. Now, Maybe he went inside the house. I'm not saying I think he vanished. I'm not saying I think he was a ghost. I'm just saying he vanished. So he just wasn't there no more, and we didn't see him again. So, so maybe we saw a pirate ghost. We might have. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying we did, but it definitely was a weird off-the-wall experience that we didn't see coming, and it's not something we ever had happen before, and we've been over there several times, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, the employees at the pirate house have said that they've seen items just mysteriously falling off the shelves, right? They've also reported feeling the presence of and even coming face to face with the spirits of sailors that stayed within the walls centuries ago. And they've heard the sound of heavy boots stomping around the restaurant, even after it was closed and clearly no one was there, which I know what that sounds like because when our kids are in our house, it sounds like some sailors with heavy boots stomping around nonstop. So I could sort of get the picture, couldn't yeah, you? Yeah, and for some reason, our kids get up at 8 a.m. on a Saturday and start stomping around. Yeah, and those that venture down to the cellar of the pirate's house have reportedly heard yelling from the infamous tunnels that lead to the water. It's probably those poor Shanghai sailors. Probably. Now, these tunnels are actually walled off. Mostly. So you can't really go access them and confirm that they even did have a tunnel that run to the river. But so many people have talked about it. I'm going to go with, yeah, they did because it just makes sense, right? Yeah, it probably is true. Yeah. Another thing they have reported to have seen are shadow people uh, and other apparitions have been seen walking through the dining room area of the pirate's house. When staff are working all over the building, they have said that they have a feeling that someone is watching them. Uh, many people have said that they see sailors from long ago looking at them and then slowly drifting into nothing. That now would that, freak me out. That would freak me out. I would be back to North Carolina, as we've stated before, but I think you would just stand there and be like, that was interesting. Yeah, that was cool. That was pretty cool. I'm going to have to get them back on our podcast. So, uh, Footsteps can be heard echoing through the restaurant on... Quiet evenings, supposedly. There's a lot of boot action in this place, apparently. Yeah, right? on the plank floor, so you can imagine that sound. Yeah. A lot of times, people take pictures at the front of the building because, as I said before, it's a pretty interesting building to look at. That definitely fits the bill for a haunted house just by looking at it. Uh, a lot of people take pictures, and they supposedly say that they've got several pictures of uh, ghosts looking at them through the windows. Yeah, but most of it's probably just reflections or light or something that can be explained. Other kind of natural explanations. Most things can be, but I am thinking that I wouldn't be shocked if you saw, I don't know, a pirate standing at the window with a big bottle of rum and a, cell, in Flint. And a cell phone. Because <laughs> why wouldn't he have a cell phone? Well, he should have one. He should have one. He should. So moving on to the second stop of our three-stop haunted restaurant tour of Savannah, we're going to talk about the 1790 Inn. Yeah, it's also a restaurant and a bar. That it is. We've experienced all three aspects of this building, haven't we? We have. So the name 1790, when they write it, they write it out 17 and then the word 100 and then the number 90, which I think is interesting. It is. And I asked the question, why was it named the 1790N? And the answer to that question is, nobody's sure. That's honestly <laughs> well, the answer. I mean, the building wasn't built. It's three buildings, and they were built in 1821, 1823, and 1888. Yeah. So what we could gather is that they named it for the year when Savannah was transitioning from a settlement to a township with over 200 buildings, a mayor, and a town council. So they were when getting they fancy. Were Moving on up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So they so didn't why wouldn't name they it. name it the eighteen twenty in? They didn't want to name it the eighteen twenty because eighteen twenty was a very bad year for Savannah. 
It was. It featured some of the history's greatest hits, such as the Great Fire of 1820 and the Yellow Fever Epidemic. Yeah, that's not something they wanted to remember. So they picked 1790, which I think just rolls off the tongue. So there are 14 rooms. Some of them are located, like I said, there's three buildings. So some of them are across the street. But in the main building on the second floor, room 204 is where the ghost lives. That's right. The ghost lives there. And what is the ghost's name? Her name is Anne or Anna. We've seen both and we're not sure which one, but we're going to go with Anna. According to folklore, Anna was a bride in an arranged marriage who fell in love with a sailor in the 1800s. Some suggest that she was pushed from the window by her angry husband. Other stories say she threw herself out the window when the sailor left. Okay, so we have to talk about this. When you go on any ghost tour in Savannah, they're more than likely going to take you by the 1790 Inn. And the first time I saw this personally, it freaked me out. But when you go to the street level on the side of the building, you'll see the window that Anna supposedly jumped out of. And standing in that window is what? It's a mannequin that's supposed to be Anne. That's almost correct. Or Anna. What it is, is an actual demon (laughs) that is there to terrify you and other unsuspecting souls. I don't think it's a mannequin. No, it's a mannequin. And it's like in a hallway in between, or like right outside of room 204, I believe. Yeah. And that's what Scott said in our previous interview. I just assumed it was in a room. No, I actually watched a video and I saw them walk up the stairs or whatever and then walk by and then go into a room. Okay. Yeah, and we're going to try to stay in that room. Right? Yeah, but it's really hard to get because it's usually booked like a year in advance. So you got to call and get on a list, I believe. Yeah, we're, we're definitely going to do that when we're not in Vegas. <laughs> Anna is a very active ghost and many guests claim to have seen her. Most men wake up and they feel a touch of a hand on their cheek and see Anna looking down with tears in her eyes. Creepy. Then she glides out the window and falls. Of course she does. <laughs> but most of the stories pertain to missing items, like she likes to move keys, glasses, and even underwear. Really? I would think that she would be more into like high-tech stuff, like iPads moving cell phones. Yeah. Cell phones. She probably don't know what they are. Yeah. She ain't messing with that. I ain't messing with that technology. They said that they used to make you sign a waiver if you were going to stay in that room saying you wouldn't want your money back if you choose not to make it through the whole night. But I don't think they do that anymore because they have such a demand for it so yeah they might still make you sign it and it would be cool if they did because i'll take a picture of it when we do stay (laughs) there and post it on the website so they have a journal in every room they say so that guests can write down their experiences so i look forward to reading those when we go that will be very entertaining i'm sure i'm definitely going to leave an interesting excerpt when we go at the end of this um segment we'll read some actual TripAdvisor reviews of people who say they say they had an encounter with Anne yeah. or Anna. And that'll be interesting. I know you showed me one where it was like 150 paragraphs, right? <laughs> no, that was like someone wrote a whole blog about it. And I'm like, oh, that's a They lot. were very touched by Anna in yeah. more than one way, it seems. Yeah. So Anna's not the only ghost that lives there. There's a little boy named Thaddeus who is seen on the ground floor and near the tavern. Okay. And what does he do? He likes to play with pennies, and he'll leave them all over the place. He leaves them on the bar, and he's seen running through the dining area at times. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the workers find pennies lined up along the floor when they arrive in the morning. That would be an interesting thing to find mm-hmm. in the mornings. It also makes me wonder if somebody like Scott at the Forsyth Park Inn just came in early and just had several rolls of pennies. And mess with somebody. Yeah, somebody's going to have a story. But he's supposed to be a friendly spirit. One review that I saw somewhere online said that they stayed in the room and when she was coming out of a nap, she saw what looked like a gold coin on the wall. She stared at it for a long time and opened and closed her eyes several times. It would hide behind a lamp then move again like a child was playing with me. It wasn't scary. Then later I saw that there was a ghost boy that likes to play with coins. Weird, right? So it isn't it though. So she saying that Thaddeus was in her room, not down on the ground floor where he's supposed to be. Mm, I wonder if she was blonde. He's cheeky. I don't know. <laughs> Ghosts seem to like blondes for some reason, right? That's what they say about the one at the um, next location. Yeah. So there's apparently at least one other ghost there, right? Yeah, it's a voodoo practitioner who stays in the kitchen and she does not like women. 
Okay, so she's probably not a fan of blondes then. No, and she's like sinister, they say. And um, she doesn't like women being in the kitchen and she'll throw pots and push people. And you can hear sounds of metal jingling, pots, etc. late in the kitchen when no one's supposed to be in there. Okay. Is there any history on why they think it was a voodoo practitioner? It's just said they think she was a servant in the house and that she practiced voodoo and she's not happy with people being in her kitchen, that type of thing. So now we're going to read some actual experiences that people who've stayed in rooms 204 and other rooms because they say that she'll move around. And Cal 12161983, that's her online name. I don't know what that means, but... She stayed in room 102 on their first night here. The room is amazing. Fireplace, four-post bed, and it feels like you step back in time. There are no windows in this room, so it stays very dark at night and in the morning. We didn't have anything paranormal happen during our stay in this room, but it was a lovely room. For our second night, we decided to move to the haunted room 204. While we didn't expect anything to happen, we thought it would be fun to say we had stayed in the haunted room. Well, we definitely experienced some unexplainable things. Nothing happened at first, but as the night went on, we were absolutely graced with Anna's presence. Anna is the ghost. She hid our keys, pulled a vitamin out of a pocket, and placed it on the fireplace. Unzipped my purse a couple times. It was crazy. Every time we would go back to our room from our trips to the restaurant or out in the town, we would feel her presence when we got closer to the room. Every hair on both of us was standing straight up, and we had chills from head to toe. Neither of us were big believers, but now we are. Each room has a journal in which guests can write their experiences. It was cool to read through it and hear the other people's experiences. We will definitely stay in this room every time we visit Savannah. Okay, one vote for room 204. <laughs> yeah. All right, and A. Brooke wrote a review in July of 2021, and their review said that they stayed there for their anniversary trip in room 203, which is right next to Anna's room 204. The hotel staff were above and beyond. Grumpy was great and opposite of his name. Apparently, Apparently I guess that's Grumpy's employee. like the concierge and he helps you to your room and everything. Okay. The room was nice, clean, and the bed was comfortable. It was fun reading through all the stories slash experiences in the notebooks from people who had previously stayed in our room. The first night, we did not have any experiences, but night two, we didn't sleep much. We heard Anna messing with things and crinkling a bag. We noticed the floor fan rocking back and forth, and she also played with the bathroom light. <laughs> yeah, I think that was I think I could away. handle that kind of haunting, though. You could? I think I could handle that. So the next one is from Terrace, 1954, and I titled it Haunted. I don't believe in ghosts, but the inn is supposed to be haunted. Great little bar where lots of locals hang out. Nice restaurant with great atmosphere. The inn is on all the haunted tours, but I don't believe in ghosts. My husband said he saw her in the early morning of our last day, but I don't believe in ghosts. We were watching the CBS morning show that runs from 7 to 9 a.m. I noticed that the time they were announcing on the TV was different than in either of our cell phones. Hmm. Went down to breakfast that last morning, went back into the room to turn the TV and lights off, placed the remote down, and walked out of the room. At breakfast, I mentioned to my husband that I hadn't even thought to do hair or makeup before we went down. When I unlocked the door, the TV was back on. Went into the bathroom and my curling iron was plugged in. The woman behind the desk said, yes, ghosts like to mess with electrical items. Maybe I do believe in ghosts. I think I could handle that situation as well. Not quite so freaky. No bloody levitating butcher knives. No, she's no not malicious. She children. just likes to move things and try to burn the place down with a curling iron. Okay, What's wrong good, good. All right, let me have this one. All right, this is mean I much. So, while reading in bed, I asked my daughter, do you feel that? She said, yes, I do, and I have. Something is wrong. Something is shaking the bed underneath me, I said. I know, me too, and it's moving. It felt like a mouse in the oh, mattress, no. but it was going all over under us. No. It could not have been one mouse. It was the mattress thumping up against us everywhere. Gosh. We stayed on the bed for a couple of minutes, making sure we weren't crazy, and it continued. We got off the bed and were totally freaked out. I asked her if we should go sleep in the car. <laughs> yeah, let's go sleep in the car. <laughs> My daughter is a trooper and we were tired. So she said, no, let's just go to sleep. We read and took Advil PM. <laughs> As you do. The thumping from the mattress continued until we slept. I woke up. It was still thumping underneath me. 
We chose to ignore the phenomenon because I suppose we got what we asked for, staying in a, a known haunted bed and breakfast. I honestly felt like I was in the Exorcist movie and don't think I ever need to sleep anywhere. I know there is paranormal activity again. So that is crazy. Could you imagine? Now that one, that one's getting a little bit closer to my and threshold. The bed is moving. Well, you would get up and like take my knife and cut it open and see what's yeah, in the bed. I would bed. have to know what's in there. Like You would. What if... It was bugs or something. Could have been massive amounts of cockroaches. I doubt I that's what it was. Like, yeah. I'm not going to say no. that a hotel had a bunch of bugs. I'm thinking it was probably a ghost. <laughs> yeah. And if you slit their mattress open, I, you'd be bombing a new I mattress. Would not have, I would not have stayed in that bed. But we would have probably not stayed in the bed. No. The next one is from Ange F. As far as paranormal activity is concerned, I did ask Anna if she wanted to talk. I was lying on the bed and my husband was sitting on the daybed. As I started to talk, the bathroom lights flickered quite rapidly and one of the complimentary bottles of shampoo landed on the floor of the bathroom. I was delighted. I was delighted. <laughs> that was the only experience we had. Mm. That, that's enough, right? Like a little just flicking Just the enough lights, to know that maybe something's around. going on. Yeah. You know, not like. I could probably handle that one as well. Not waking me up in the middle of the night with your hand on my face. And, no. So we're going to read about. K. Clerico, that's K-C-L-E-R-I-C-O, wrote this review back in 2016 about Room 103. My family and I have been coming to Savannah on vacation for years. It was a last-minute decision to stay at the 1790 Inn. After booking the reservation, my daughter told me this hotel was haunted. I had been on several haunted tours in Savannah, but I didn't give it another thought. The first night, I had went to bed around 10.30 and was awakened by someone grabbing my ankle. It gave me a creepy feeling, so I quickly rose up thinking it was my husband, but he was sound asleep. I laid back down and started to have very strange dreams about a woman who kept telling me she died there. I woke around 3.30 a.m. to the room just boiling hot. I had sweat dripping off of me. No, it wasn't a hot flash. <laughs> I got up to check the air, and it read 67 degrees. I had a weird feeling that someone was watching me, so I hurried up and jumped back in bed. Of course, my husband was snoozing of away, course. but isn't that the way it always works? Yeah. You know. That next morning, we went for breakfast, and I asked my husband, had he experienced anything? He said no, but he believed what I was telling him. We stayed a second night, and I made my husband switch sides with me because I was so creeped out. I'm that'll sure that'll it. fix that'll it. Do yeah. it. I put the covers almost over my head. Around 3.30 a.m. again, it starts to get boiling hot, and I feel this cold rush go over my face and a chill that went all the way through me. I rose up out of bed and looked over at the love seat, and there sat a lady in her nightgown and long reddish-brown hair. This was the same lady that had been in my dreams the night before. Okay, I'm not doing and this one. And you didn't one. wake your I'm not doing husband this one. up? Yeah. No, come on. All right. I quickly laid back down and tried to go back to no, sleep. we're leaving. My husband got up to go smoke around 6 a.m. and ran into a lady in a room down the hall that told him she had weird experiences all night. It took me a while to write this, but it has bothered me ever since returning home. Yeah, I think it would bother me, too. Okay, so this one sort of making me rethink wanting to go to this place. <laughs> and our last review comes from Leafeon, and his title is Scary Place, Amazing Staff. I stayed in the room haunted by Anna, and boy, was it an experience. Shadows and footsteps were frequent. The TV glitched. My partner's computer stopped working while we were there, but worked as soon as we would leave. Bangs outside the room. Someone got into bed with us, and this is probably the creepiest thing. Probably the creepiest thing? <laughs> I sleep on the end of the bed at home, but while, I, but while here, I kept feeling like someone was pushing me to get in the bed. Then it felt like I was being touched and my partner felt something grab their foot. Amazing experience that you can read about in the guest book on June 25th. Okay, so I think those reviews sum up pretty well what you get into when you come into this place, right? Yeah, I can't wait to go. When are we going? I'm going to get us there next year. <laughs> I hope. Hopefully we can get that room. Call them up. Call them up. I want room 204. Yes. Make it happen. And so that'll do it for the 1790 N. And so that brings us to the last stop on our three restaurant tour for this episode, and that would be at the Old Pink House. 
Yes, it's located at 23 Abercorn Street, and that's right near Reynolds Square. Exactly, and that's the square that has the extremely large statue of John Wesley. So a lot of the information we're going to use for this story is from GhostCityTours and NightlySpirits.com. They both have really interesting websites, and I think at least one of those obviously does tours, so you should check them out. And also, we got some information on Wikipedia. Exactly. So today, the Old Pink House is one of the most famous restaurants in Savannah, and we've been there, and it's amazing. But originally, it was the home of James Habersham Jr. And he used it to play host to many secret meetings for the independence of our nation of the 13 colonies. Yes, he was one of three sons born to James Habersham Sr., who was a colonial planter and merchant and one of the richest men in the colony. Yeah, and James Sr. was also the first person from Georgia to send cotton to England. That's interesting. It is. So it's said that the restaurant got its name because it was made of red bricks and it was covered in white stucco and the red would always seep through the stucco and look pink. Oh, that sounds extremely masculine. (laughs) Yeah. James Jr. did not want a pink house. I can't imagine why. It's said that he would cover the red brick of his home every year with white plaster just to try to cover it up, but it would always seep out again no matter how much he tried. This was unacceptable and caused the Habershams to be mocked in the town for their pink house. So the rest of his life was spent throwing parties, owning a plantation, and covering the house in enough plaster to keep the red from showing through. He never managed to do that, though. The house kept turning pink, and he did not really like that at all. He didn't. But eventually it was sold to a woman in 1920, and she painted the whole thing pink just to keep from spending an absurd amount of money every year to plaster it. Yeah. So I think that worked out. And that's where it got its distinctive appearance and its distinctive name. So in the 1930s, it became a restaurant, and it is said to be the home of many ghosts, one of them being James Habersham Jr. There are claims, although they can't prove this because the historical record doesn't indicate this happened, that he actually hung himself in the basement where the Planters Tavern is now located. Yeah, so they say that he learned his wife was having an affair with the architect he had hired to build the house. And so he went down to the basement, and overcome with her betrayal, he offed himself. But I had also read that um, she had died and he was distraught over her death. So who really knows? I think the second one sounds more plausible to me. Yeah, and then he died in 1799, and the listed cause of death was declining health. So one thing that you could not do at the time, if you had committed the sin of committing suicide, is you could not be permitted to be buried in consecrated ground. So a lot of people believe that he did commit suicide, and that this was a big cover-up to try to keep the family name from being besmirched. Yeah, so he was buried in Colonial Park Cemetery with his brothers and his father. So it's unlikely that he did commit suicide, but who knows? I'm saying they could have covered it up. They could have, and he could be mad about it, and that could be why he's haunting the tavern. They do believe that he is still haunting the place. That's He's one of the main ghosts there, according to reports that we have. They say that he appears there frequently wearing his colonial garb and drinking ale. It's like he likes to sit down at the bar and actually have a conversation with people. And I have to say that to do that, you would think somebody would be like, this guy's crazy. But if you come to Savannah, there are a lot of people that dress in period clothing for various reasons. Some tour guides yeah, it's do not it. not unusual, so it wouldn't really be that out of place. Yeah, so you would just assume, hey, this is somebody who's just dressed up for some reason in the city, except for the reports say that he will just vanish in the blink of an eye. So James was known to be a pin-neat gentleman, meaning he liked everything in its place. He sounds like he could be related to you. A little OCD much? Probably. So he supposedly often straightens table settings and puts chairs into place. And they'll say that this one guy likes to leave things like haphazardly on the table just to see and he'll walk away and he'll come back and it'll be perfectly straight and no one had been there. Yeah. Now that would be interesting. I'd like to test that theory. Yeah. His ghost has been blamed for the mysterious lighting of candles that are placed on tables around the restaurant. 
And apparently he likes the idea of having lit candles on the tables at all times. He's a proper gentleman. He likes candlelight, dinners, and neat place settings. Yeah. And this this next statement, a waiter once recalled turning his back for a moment and continuing with his other duties, that when he looked back around, suddenly all the candles on every table had been lit. Sounds like he's helping out the crew. That would freak me out. That would be something I'd be like, okay, we got one of those pyromaniac ghosts going on here. (laughs) Wonder if he lived around 1820. One of Habersham's descendants is also known to join in on the fun at the bar. He'll take solid shape and order drinks. As the night winds down, he's been seen exiting the bar and walking into the cemetery, vanishing just as he nears the Button family monument where his body was buried. Interesting. Uh, A female ghost has been spotted on the second floor multiple times and has been seen sobbing on several occasions by patrons and employees alike. One night, after most of the staff had left, only the bartender and the manager remained. The manager told the bartender, the upstairs is all clear. It was then that they heard the sounds of a woman crying coming from the upstairs. The bartender asked the manager, do you hear that? And the manager replied, no, I don't hear a thing, and neither do you. We're getting out of here. They quickly closed up and left as soon as possible. Sound like smart people. <laughs> they didn't want nothing to do with that ghost. So other ghosts that are said to roam downstairs are the children who were slaves at the house. Oh, no, don't go into children. That's when it really gets scary. <laughs> it said that um, they can be found playing, throwing dice against the wall. They play craps. Yeah. Other children have appeared taunting the staff, even hitting bartenders with wine bottles and playing tricks on the guests. You know, harmless childlike games, Mm -hmm. bashing somebody over the head with a wine bottle, as you do. If you go to the woman's bathroom in the tavern, don't. That's what I've heard. Because they say, if you get to go, go upstairs. Because if you go, you risk getting locked in the bathroom. And some say it's the children playing a joke. So the girl, the girls go in the bathroom, close the door, and then they cannot open it at all. And it's they, it's got to the point where they took the locks off the doors, but they still aren't able to open the doors. And what we were told when we were there was that it was uh, James Habersham had a fondness for blonde women. So he's the one locking them in the bathroom. And Crystal just happens to be blonde, so... Yeah, but I don't remember going in that bathroom, and I didn't know anything about it at the time, and we did eat downstairs, but it was lovely, by the way. And they also told us a story in the downstairs tavern area that there's this one certain table that's right beside the fireplace that if you sit at this table, you will end up in a fight with the person you're with if it's a couple. Yeah, they like to just sit and watch every time because they say it happens every time. Luckily, we didn't get that table. We didn't get that table. (laughs) So I don't know that I want to request it when we go back. But when we go back, Crystal's definitely going to try out the bathroom theory and we're going to see what goes down. Because if he's into blondes, he's definitely going to lock her in. So if you want to go to this restaurant, you definitely are going to need a reservation like with the other two because it's usually booked out for a couple weeks at a time. It is. It's not incredibly difficult to get in, but don't be thinking you're in Savannah and you can just walk up. You're going to have to go online and get a reservation. You can go downstairs though, to the tavern area and it's just as nice. Like it is. We, we enjoyed it. It's a very still like linen tablecloths and everything down there too. It's not like a bar bar kind of situation. It's it's a nice bar. It has a piano in there, doesn't it? Yeah. It was like a pinup. Almost like a piano, piano bar. bar, really, and it was pretty pretty neat. Yeah, piano the ambiance really is really nice. We went there for my birthday one year. It was really nice, and we didn't see any ghosts. Not yet. I don't think we knew it was haunted until they started telling us about um, the couple getting in a fight. But yeah, I've got something planned for Crystal for her birthday this year, so hopefully we might have some updates on things that we can talk to you about Ooh, on a future episode. I won't say all that, <laughs> but we'll say that we'll hopefully maybe have some ghost stories from this trip. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our episode and brings us to the portion of our segment where we like to talk about Layla and Coffee Talk. So what did these two maniacs do this week? Well, we like to take them on walks. It's like the highlight of their life. They get so excited when they go for a walk. I've never seen a dog get more excited than Coffee does. Have she you? loses her mind. It literally takes the both of us to get her harness on her. Like I have to basically lay on her to hold her still so he can get it on her. And she's I can't do it by myself. She's crying with excitement. Like she is so like a little child. She is so excited to do it. Yeah, that's what her life revolves around when it isn't food. So we have a specific route that we walk around the island and 
Layla knows that route. And we decided to walk down a street we don't usually walk down to look at something. And Layla realized right away, this is not my walk. So she like stood completely still, would not move. And she's like 90 pounds of all muscle. And I cannot move her if she does not want to move. All muscle. All muscle. Well, all mat. All fat and muscle. (laughs) There's a lot of dog, but it's not all muscle. (laughs) Well, she's got a lot more muscle than me. But when she stops, she is not being moved. She planted herself in the street, and Crystal kept walking. It's like, jank the leash, and she almost fell down. And then the dog just stared at her like, you know this isn't right. So we turned around and went the way she wanted to go, and she was happy. Yep, we gave them their customary walk after her denial of allowing us to go do what we wanted to do. Yeah, and so we got them a couple Christmas presents, which we're excited about. Yep, and I think they're going to really enjoy it. Coffee loves destroying things, so yeah, we're going to so actually gonna wrap this. hers. Yeah, I'm going to wrap it and let her unwrap it. Yeah, she'll destroy it. It's, it's going to be, be her amazing. first Christmas with us. Yeah. And all that being said, we'd like to once again remind you that you can find us online at www.scarysavannahandbeyond.com or www.scarysavannah.net. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter using the username at Scary Savannah. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to support our podcast and help us out. Another thing you can get if you support at certain levels, you get some really cool merch. So check that out. It's patreon.com forward slash Scary Savannah. We have coffee mugs now. We have coffee mugs and t-shirts and stickers all as part of your support to us. So we thank you for that. You can give us a call at 912-406-2899. That's 912-406-2899. Give us some feedback, have story ideas, or if there's anything you might like to say that you want us to play on the podcast, just leave us a voicemail there and we will definitely do that. So that just leaves one last thing, I think, right? Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on.